Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan Beale, and this is the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the market and helps you make smart choices with your investments. Chris Taylor Brown is back in the booth with me today to give us the latest market update. We'll cover the recent official cash rate cuts and what happens when interest rates go below zero, as we've seen in Europe. We'll also chat about the inverted US yield curve. And speaking of the US, we have some updates from the front line of the trade war. These are entirely our own views. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts in ASB that'll be happy to chat if you need. Chris, great to see you again. Welcome back to the booth here in uh, just off Ponsonby Road. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. Yeah. Thank you. And everything well with you? You've been. What have you been up to in the last uh, few weeks since we last spoke? Oh, well, like uh, like many people, I've been struggling with this winter weather. It feels like it's been raining forever. It has. And um, being keen on flying, the, uh, the only thing I've seen flying is ducks, and uh, I haven't <laughs> been up, um, which is frustrating, but it does mean my bank account's looking a little bit healthier uh, than usual. That's a positive. That's yeah, a positive. But, um, and I've been, I've been lucky enough, I've been away, so I think I said last time I turned uh, the ripe old age of 50, so I, I treated myself to a holiday, so I've missed all the sort of wet and cold weather I've been in the sun, which has been beautiful, but... Uh, I did come back to a bit of a surprise. I got back home and um, uh, the turntable, I think I talked about before, that I had for my birthday, um, when we came into the house, one of my kids noticed that um, the top of it was all um, sort of rough and cloudy on the on the lid of the turntable. And so we wiped it down to see what's, what's there, but it didn't change. It was almost like it had been something had burnt into it. So I took it back to the shop where it had been bought and carried the lid in. I showed it to the guy there and he goes straight away, oh, have you got one of those sprays that kills flies in the in the room? I said, yeah. He goes, that's what it is. Oh, jeepers, And I'm like, creepers. well, it's literally burnt. It's all rough and it's cloudy. So I said, goodness knows what's in that stuff that's coming um, coming out of it. They don't put that on the yeah, on the tin. Kills kills flies and, and turntables. Uh, well, I hope that was in the disclosure yeah, no, statement. Exactly. Given the boring ones we have to record for these podcasts, <laughs> that's the vital sort of information you need to exactly. know. Exactly. I'm going to complain vehemently to the, um, the fly spray people. But anyway, we're not here to talk about fly spray. We're here to talk about what's going on in markets and there's there's a heck of a lot going on. So, um, But I'm conscious in a few of the podcasts before we've talked about interest rates and I think we'll get there, but we don't want to don't want to be Groundhog Day of every podcast being about interest rates. So we thought we'd um, thought we'd maybe take the conversation a little different places today, if we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things that I've noticed in the press certainly recently is there's been a lot of talk about this inverted US yield curve, and it seems to be the most important thing that's happening globally. Um, I'm not convinced everyone would actually understand what that means. So with your super brain, Chris, you're able to explain really simply, like, what is that? What is it? And what's the importance of that to maybe us and the way we invest our money and what's going on in the in the economies? Yeah, I'm 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 always amazed when um, some obscure thing that I learned at university suddenly becomes uh, everyday discussion. And uh, the inverted yield curve does pop up every now and then. Basically, what we're talking about here is when long term rates uh, get a lot lower than short term rates. Now that in itself doesn't cause anything to happen. Um, but it does reflect how people might be feeling when they go to invest. Because at the end of the day, why would you invest for five years and only get 1% if you could invest for one year and get 2%? Um, well, the reason you do that is you're really worried about the future. Maybe you think that the economy is going into a recession and interest rates are going to absolutely plummet. So you want to lock in whatever you can. And and that's where the inverted yield curve is used as a actually a, a reasonable predictor of recessions in, in the States. Now, 
this sounds like, okay, this is the key thing we need to see and suddenly change what we're doing. But the problem is, um, technical indicators like this don't always work and, and they're not particularly timely. Um, on average, um, over, over the years, um, recessions come um, about 14 months after the US yield curve's inverted, but sometimes it's just a tiny slowdown, sometimes it's a long way in the future. Um, so it's about as useful as me saying to you, hey, well, we've just had the shortest day of the year, so I forecast the longest day is coming in about six months' time. What we really want to know is what the weather's going to be doing. And uh, and so this is telling us something we already know, that the US economy um, does look like it's going to be slowing down. It's been growing at a tremendous pace, um, partly because of the stimulus Trump's been providing, um, partly because it's just had an amazingly strong run for recent, over you know, the last eight years and um, and now it's 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 slowing, but it's not about to fall into a massive hole. And of course, the um, the U.S. Federal Reserve is now cutting interest rates, so that's another reason why those long-term rates are getting lower. And there's a difference between a slowing economy and an economy in recession, though, isn't there? Yeah, and recession from a technical perspective just means the economy contracts for two consecutive quarters. Now, if it contracted by 0.1 percent each quarter, that's a recession. What people get their um, thoughts muddled up on when they get really petrified from an investment perspective is a deep slowdown that really impacts share markets, like the global financial crisis. Most developed economies really contracted and share markets really plummeted. Um, but if we look over the past 20 or 30 years, the reality is a recession comes along, you know, not, not every year, um, of course, but... Um, you know, every decade or so, we should expect to have one as an economy calls. In New Zealand's case, they're often associated with um, with the weather, um, or they can be things that we could never never predict. You know, offshore shocks like the Asian crisis. Um, but anyway, that's what people are fixated with: is the U.S. economy slowing? What does this mean for for shares? Really, what it means for investors is just global interest rates remain incredibly low, and and in the U.S., they're on their way down. Um, aided by the US Federal Reserve cutting rates for the first time in a number of years. And you talked about, we talked about the US uh, yield curve. Is the same phenomenon happening here in New Zealand? No, we've, um, all, we've just got low rates. Um, but if you look at a 10-year government bond yield here, it's higher than a two-year government bond yield. And uh, so that's a normal thing that you'd expect to see. If people are going to commit money for a longer period of time, you'd expect, um, and they'd expect to, to get a higher return for doing that. What we have got, though, is an incredibly flat curve. You don't get much reward for tucking your money away for longer here, and we can see that in the term deposit space as well. And so that's that's the challenge here, but our um, our interest rate curve is a bit more normal-shaped and, and um, than, than elsewhere. So obviously, since we last spoke, uh, the official cash rate was um, reduced, and you've been very consistent about you thought there'd be a cut. But you were were you surprised about the the size of the cut this time? Yeah, I I was, and we we get asked to assign probabilities for every meeting. Um, you know, will they hike? Will they stay on hold? Will they cut? And um, we've been saying they'll cut for a long time, but I wouldn't have put a high probability on them cutting by fifty basis points. I'd think you know, they want to get rates lower. Um, but they want to keep their powder dry and have room to keep on cutting in the future. Whereas the Reserve Bank uh, thought the economy needs lower rates, let's get them there now, and uh, and went for the 50 basis point cut, or half a percent. So now our, uh, our cash rate's down to 1%. So the the risk with that uh, is, is that you spook everyone a bit, 
um, you know, them thinking it seems to have happened. Yeah, is it that bad? Do we really need to? This this is seeming pretty pretty drastic. Um, but on the other hand, the Reserve Bank wants some bang for buck, and they've got that. We've seen some decent movements in the exchange rate. It's lower, which helps uh, the economy. And uh, we've seen uh, interest rates within the economy drop as, as well across the board, government bonds, wholesale rates, um, term deposit rates, mortgage rates. They've all, they've all come back, which ultimately is what the Reserve Bank wants to see when they're trying to um, create demand and then in turn inflation within the economy. When I, when I speak to customers, I think the two questions we're getting asked at the moment, the first question is, so what happens if it goes below uh, zero? And is that possible? Um, and the second question is very much around what impact is that going to actually have on us if that happens? So let's let's go. Let's let's take the first one. So do we think actually it's going to go below uh, zero and have negative interest rates? Well, I have to uh, admit I'm I've learned to be more open-minded as the years have gone by um, because I wouldn't have picked that rates would get this low if you'd asked me ten years ago. And uh, I thought these incredibly low interest rates were something that really weak economies like uh, Europe or Japan had to endure and um, and but but you can't rule them out here's the thing which I find uh, the the most unusual is we've got the lowest interest rates we've ever had uh, by by some measures um, things like mortgages you have to go back into the 60s to, to see them we've never had the official cash rate this low even in the global financial crisis but our economy isn't in a recession our economy is still growing um, a little bit slower than than what it was at earlier years, but we're still growing at over two percent, which is which is good on a global scale. Yet we're here with these incredibly low interest rates that we think are necessary to push the economy along. So, um, if the economy kept on slowing or we had some sort of shock, the Reserve Bank has uh, has explored and is open to pushing rates even even lower. And as we've seen in Japan and in Europe, they can they can go negative. I don't think they will. Um, but we do think the Reserve Bank could cut them even lower than today's level over the uh, over the rest of the year. And so you don't think it's going to happen? It might happen. But if it did happen, what the, what would actually be the ramifications for uh, for New Zealand? Well, it's it's really weird. Um, it's hard to understand the idea of negative interest rates. Um, but it, what it means is simply this: if you invest, um, say you buy a government bond and you pay ten thousand dollars for it and it's a 10-year government bond, in 10 years' time, you won't get $10,000 back. You'll get you'll get less. Now, why anyone would do that is a good question. Um, and places like Japan, where they've had negative interest rates or zero interest rates for a number of years, people have very high cash holdings. And why not? Um, if you're going to lose money by giving it to an institution, maybe you should just hold on to it and... Um, Buy a good, buy a good safe. So what it tends to mean is that there's just a worse return or a, or a, or a loss on on a extremely um, conservative, risk-free investments, if you like, like government bonds, and very, very low returns on everything else. So it's it's really tough on on savers, particularly conservative savers within a in an economy. And we were talking earlier about Denmark, and Denmark has uh, negative mortgage rates, so people are actually um 
well, the banks are actually losing money on that and customers that actually don't have to pay any interest at all. That's like a bizarre scenario, isn't it? Oh, this is nuts and it's really hard to get your head around. So the the thing which can happen here is the bank will obviously have to get its revenue from elsewhere. But if you've got a, a 10-year mortgage, there's a bank in Denmark that will um, reduce your loan by 0.5% per, uh, per annum. And um, and even things like thirty-year mortgage rates are, are in the low single digits. It's it's just bizarre. Now I'm 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 sure they recoup uh, some of that through through fees, but what it means is that there's very little incentive for people in Denmark to pay off debt, um, and and this provides another reason not to pay it off because it'll slowly chip away at itself. And and as a consequence, uh, Denmark's got extremely high um, private debt levels. Now, the the bit there, though, there's a little bit more information to that, is that they do have very high savings in other things. So the equivalent in New Zealand, if we got to that scenario, was I think people wouldn't have very little interest in paying off their house, um, but they'd need to put more money into uh, into their retirement savings if they were to, to do that. So it seems like very... Um real that these things potentially could happen they're happening around the world i don't think new zealand can sort of go well it won't happen to us where it's still a long way off but it does happen and people are living with this every day of the week aren't they yeah it's um it's it's just this low interest rate theme that we've talked about so long that's been a a backdrop for 40 years as as reaching an interesting end game in some economies as they get towards towards zero and um I would have never, ever thought that you'd structure a mortgage with a negative interest rate on it. And, and as I mentioned, you know, there'll be, there'll be fees and things in there, but it's just remarkable. And the, and the net consequence, um, people carry an awful lot of debt if they don't have to pay for it. Um, debt's just like anything. When it gets cheaper, we, um, we want more of it. And, um, and that's so, what's happening. And then so we're seeing that um, we're reducing interest rates. They're trying to stimulate the, the, the growth of, uh, of uh, New Zealand. But business confidence still seems to be low. So there, there just seems to be, you're almost getting to the point where the Reserve Bank are going to run out of things they can do. The lever, they're pulling it pretty hard and they haven't got much more scope to do it. How how, how else could they increase business confidence? What sort of things could we be doing? Well, at the at the end of the day, um, yeah, you, you have to go, well, if businesses don't want to borrow at these levels, will it make much difference if rates get much lower? And that's telling you about confidence in the in the outlook and, and demand within the economy. I think the important thing to remember here when we're looking for solutions is New Zealand's not alone in, in, in this. There's a lot of uncertainty around the world and a lot of economies are, are in similar place to us where they're just growing um a bit below potential, and and we actually stack up pretty well on a global scale. When you start to get this sort of level, though, I think it's right to um, think what else can we do. And uh, one of the things that I hope gets discussed a lot is well, the government's in a strong position. Um, they're running a uh, they're running a surplus. Uh, debt levels are really really low. Should the government be doing the heavy lifting rather than just trying to push uh, lower interest rates into the economy to stimulate demand. Because, of course, that's good if you want to borrow, um, but it's really tough if you're, if you're a saver within an economy, particularly a conservative saver. So we're seeing the same in Australia with a lot of commentators or, or economists uh, such as myself um, saying, hey, is now the time for some appropriate fiscal action or, or government action? Now, some people would say that should be infrastructure spending. Other people would say it should be tax cuts. But it is an alternative when you want an economy to go better. 
is to uh, is to look at what what are the uh, fiscal things that I could just be feel done. as though like we're getting to that point where something has got to change, though, isn't it? Like you, the, all around the world, we're just pulling interest rate levers, and it doesn't seem to be making too much of a difference. Um, you know, and if you think about mortgage rates when the cut happened, they didn't reduce by that much. Yeah, the floating rate was the only one that actually dropped by the 50 basis points or half a percent. The other rates went down by by smaller amounts and actually it's flowed out over the course of a week or so. At the end of the day, we don't fund it the official cash rate. A mortgage is made up of our term deposits, our wholesale money, and uh, those rates are what also determine uh, what a mortgage rate will be. So we've seen uh, them them come down a little bit over the subsequent week or so, um, but they're um, they're not as down by for the fixed terms or term deposits by the by the full amount of the cut. And that's the way it's been working for a little while now. And one of the things which uh, people think about when we're talking about rate cuts is always on the mortgage side of things. But term deposit investors. Um, we still need to pay a rate to to attract them and make them want to uh, keep saving their their money and particularly for 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 longer term. So that's a big part of it as well. And we've we've spent a lot of time uh, in my team over the past week just working out. Okay, is there a point where the wheels just start spinning in the sand? Rates can't go any lower. And um, that's we we don't know whether we're there yet. Term deposit rates have got lower in other parts of the world. Um, but there is a, that that really important trade-off, and I think we have to really think about the people on the saving side of the equation as well, because it's really tough when we're down into the you know, two point seven percent or so now for a for a longer-term deposit. Yeah, I'm glad you raised that because there's a bit of a worry I've got that with low people with term deposits, they uh, low interest rates, maybe they're living off the the term deposits helping fund their retirement or, or whatever or their lifestyle or what do they want to do and actually that's with low rates you're not going to be able to do what you used to be able to do and you've got a you've got a couple of options you spend less but why would I why would I want to do that and so people start looking for alternatives and um, I think I think that's that worries me because people start going maybe making decisions based on well what's the return going to be and make and we had that you only go back to sort of finance companies years ago, which was very driven by what the rate what the rate was. Mm. Um, so I'm 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 worried that people will make the decisions to go, hey, well, I need a higher rate. Let's invest in this, but not really understanding maybe the risk they're taking. Uh, yeah, and we can see that I can see that playing out already in some of the sort of uh, presses and the advertising you see in the papers at the weekend. Yeah, I think that a really important thing to remember is just because interest rates change, your risk profile doesn't. If you're a conservative investor, um, don't start taking a whole heap of risk to generate a return, um, particularly if you're not clear on what it is that you're, you're doing. And that was the problem with some of the finance companies you know, 10, 15 years ago. So um, it, it just makes it more important than ever to have a really good plan and think really hard about what the money's uh, therefore, what it needs to do, and and when do you need it? Because some of the things that we talk about a lot, um, you know, portfolio investments um, with exposure to all sorts of assets will generate higher returns than term deposits. But the time frame is incredibly important to make sure you you get the benefit of those uh, those diversification and the assets that that we hold. You can't just leap out of one thing completely into something different just be, just because interest rates are falling. Exactly. And if you think about what's going on in look at the last, the quarter. That's just gone, and the performance has been outstanding. Like I think if you're in the growth fund, you're getting sort of seven percent over the last quarter. Even a conservative.
conservative portfolio is returning sort of two and a quarter. Like ridiculous of uh, amount of growth for what what you'd normally expect. Um, um, what, what what's what's driving that? Do you think, Chris? Well, th- this is the interesting thing within a portfolio is the uh, is the bonds are actually one of the strongest drivers of of performance. Um, bonds have performed better than 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 shares. Uh, if we're talking about global bonds and global shares uh, at at times, which doesn't make too much sense. But the bonds that we've held for several years, which pay much higher interest rates, are worth a whole lot more as interest rates um, fall. And uh, so so that has really boosted portfolios, along with shares. I mean, the share markets have been really volatile over the last week or two with Trump's latest antics. Um, But the New Zealand share market's only a couple of percent off its all-time high. And uh, the U.S. share market's down about six percent from its from its peak, and um, but the, on the whole, they're still both up a, a, a lot over the last two or three years. So that's boosted portfolio returns as as well. So um, that uh, probably won't pan out exactly like that each each quarter. And that's where this time frame uh, comes in, and so so important. You know, it was only in December that we were looking at all portfolio returns were really really um, tough, and uh, and a lot of the funds were negative over the quarter, and and then they came roaring back with the strong share market performance and this really lower in interest rates we're seen through the course of the year. But that's why we keep on talking about the the, the long term because we do have tough months, we have tough quarters. Um, but the recent times, the the drivers have all aligned right up until the last couple of weeks when, um, you know, our uh, our our main friend in the US uh, started tweeting and uh, and and you're not, you're not saying his name anymore. Or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, he uh, Trump's uh, has certainly been. Um, Creating a bit of volatility. It's not uh, just him that's uh, been upsetting markets. You know, this the situation in um, in Hong Kong has rattled investors as well, and uh, and and we can see that in some asset classes like um, uh, global property. The property in Asia uh, was an underperformer over recent times. You know, partly because of the protests we're seeing there, but uh, Trump is in the uh, in the thick of it uh, as he as he has been a lot over the last over the last couple of years. I think I think you made some a really valid point because um, you're talking about you know, U.S. share markets headline U.S. share markets down three percent worst day for a long time. But the context is important, isn't it? About where it's coming off a record high. If you look over the performance over the last two to three years, it's been stellar. So maybe you know. Is that whole sort of like, well, let's just tell the true story, a bit like Trump. Let's tell the true story of actually what's going on so people can make informed decisions and understand what's actually going on. Yeah, and the, uh, the, the, it pains me to say it, but realistically, we're only a tweet away from having a great day on the US share market, it seems, these days. But that's no way to save for your retirement, waiting to see if it's a good tweet or a bad tweet day. You've just got to be able to look through this stuff, um, which is which is difficult at, at, at times. But really, the the past couple of weeks' um, performance has been a lot of uh, stuff that we've experienced over the last 18 months or so. And the thing which is getting really different from a New Zealander's perspective is these record lows that we're seeing in interest rates because they do have a direct impact on on people. And we can get a lot of information, quite predictable information, on what the outlook is, be it the RBNZ governor's words on on what um, the plans are for, for interest rates. I was, yeah, I was telling you earlier that we had uh, investment committee uh, yesterday, and the, the chairman of the investment committee is Gavin Walker, who just happens to be the chairman of the of the bank as well. And he 
he said something, I actually wrote it down. He talked about, you know, if you think about what's going on, there's, we're seeing sort of some volatility coming back into the share market. We've got interest rates at all-time low. You know, you've got inverted yield curves and all these things, and people are sort of getting a bit, uh, obviously getting, um, getting a bit worried. But he talked about how what he's so pleased about is about the way ASB manage money is that we've got these anchors in place and we're confident about our anchors and we're able then to ensure that we're disciplined about how we manage money. And I thought, wow, that's you've summed that up beautifully because it's times like this where people do make rash decisions. People who are investing money make rash decisions. People who are, some people who are managing money will say, see, or well, we need to do something different. It's actually coming back to what do you believe in? What's your asset allocations? Why have you made those decisions? Keep reviewing them, not saying we need to do something different right now. And if you think about the analogy, if you're in a stressful situation, you want calm people around you going, okay, let's just break this down. What can we do? And I think that that's a good message to get to people, isn't it? Oh, totally. And I think that, um, that discipline with um, how we as a group manage money extends to how we advise people as well. Because just because interest rates are, are low and a term deposit isn't generating the return you want, doesn't mean that you're suddenly a high-risk investor and you should completely change your strategy. It's a time for executing long-term, well-thought-out investment strategies, both as a, a saver getting advice and an investment manager like ASB managing money. Yeah, you know, I've been in financial services a long time, but it is the almost the boring things that actually get people through. So it's like, it is having a plan, diversifying, medium to long-term view on it, understand what you're in and why and why is it going up and down. It's always going to go up and down. That's what markets do. But over the medium long-term, hopefully you're going to get a better outcome than if you've done something something different. And those basics are, and these types of moments in time are more and more important, I think. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, my, my job can be boiled down pretty simply is to help people focus on the long-term and, and look through some of the, the noise and information we get that's often very short-term. You know, this week's one being the inverted yield curve and the latest treat from Donald exactly, Trump. Exactly. Hey, let's, so let's just uh, maybe finish on some of the things I know is, is very topical about the, the trade war and, and how that's what's going on and how's that impacting. Do you want to just give a bit of an update on where you think it's at and where it potentially might go? Yeah, I think from a um, political perspective for Trump now, um, this is getting to the point where perhaps um, – his his voter base is realising that trade wars uh, aren't easy to win and they're not good um, because we're starting to see some real negative impacts from them. Um, early days um, when they're putting tariffs on China, they were smaller on a narrow range of goods. Now that he's got the big bazooka out and proposing you know, tariffs galore on pretty much everything, um, it, that will flow through to the um, to the, to the shops, and people will see it. And and these global growth concerns that have been troubling share markets, you know, it's it's not just investment experts that are connecting them to Trump. Um, a, a lot of people are. So it's starting to sound a little bit uh, negative for for a lot of people. Um, and we're in the um, you know we're a, a year out um, from the uh, from the election in the states uh, soon. And so he's going to want to get some some wins. So his latest thing is um, a couple of weeks ago, we're going to increase the tariffs. You know, the tough man talk. 
and uh, and now he's pushed it out a, a, a few months. Um, and I think part of it is at a really simple level that they would have been putting tariffs on things that would have been appearing on shelves that people would have been buying in Christmas time, and it's um it's pretty it's pretty basic stuff. But the but the deeper part of it is these are these are really complex, and Trump's way of dealing with things um, doesn't seem to be doesn't seem to be working. This is this is a long drawn out process now with uh, with 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 China and it's um it doesn't seem to be working particularly well from at the moment um but as i mentioned um the the painful thing is that we're perhaps only a tweet and announcement away from it being great again and uh, and and for us we just watch and uh What's a polite way of saying it? We live in interesting times. We do. I, I was amazed. I was in New York when I was on holiday and caught up with some old friends I hadn't seen for a long time. It was awesome. But um, as soon as I mentioned the word Trump, the whole atmosphere in the restaurant changed around our table. Like just like you could see how uh, embarrassed and upset and angry they were about actually how the country has got themselves into the situation. They, and I sort of asked, how do you think it happened? And they just got no answer and uh, like it was really you know like living in New Zealand actually you know proud to be living in New Zealand and, and being a New Zealander but in America the, the people I was talking to were just like this is astonishing I just don't know how this happened and we're embarrassed by the whole thing yeah and and the um and the the other side of it is there's people that are running small businesses that have got a tax cut and thinking hey this is that was a really good policy for 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 us and it's it's really interesting. I think New Zealanders are really focused on what's going on in the world, and we're really really aware of it. Um, and 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 so we get really impacted by this. I think that's part of the low level of confidence we're seeing in New Zealanders. We've got so much information on these 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 global things, but Americans' focus is a little bit more internal. For a start, they don't need to trade as much with the rest of the world as as we do. And um, and so some of the things they'll result will be reflecting on how does this policy impact me? Whereas we tend to think how do these policies impact the globe? And we're a trading nation, so we we tend to pick up on them because we think they could impact us. So Americans have all sorts of um, sentiment uh, about it, and and I, it still wouldn't surprise me um, if if Trump got a second term. Um, preferred that that didn't happen. It would give me something different to write about and us to talk about, but um, but it, 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 that could be the case. And that's, I think, going to become increasingly important over the next uh, over the next year to start getting some wins. It's pretty hard to get re-elected if the share market's really, um, really suffering and pretty hard if you uh, don't have runs on the board with things like um, your, your, your trade negotiations. Great. Well, really good points to finish on. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I think you've added to my... Uh t-shirt idea collections i've got lower for longer now i've also got one tweet away from the share market going up so the, the collection's getting a little <laughs> bit a little bit bigger as always thanks very much for your time i think you've really articulated some of the issues at hand and explained them really clearly so look forward to talking to you again thanks a lot good stuff thank you cheers thanks for joining us today on the asb investment podcast if you have any thoughts on today's episode or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on future shows please fire your suggestions through to podcasts at asb.co.nz